Hello and welcome to the Women's Energy Council podcast, where we explore lessons and advice from some of the most senior energy executives, focusing on transformational leadership. I'm your host, Emma Shul. In this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Amalia Oliveira Riley, current head of exploration at Tallow Oil. Amalia joined Tallow in January 2020, bringing over 25 years of experience in oil and gas exploration. This includes 18 years with major IOC ExxonMobil, followed by six years with Repsol. Amalia received a degree in geology from the University of Buenos Aires and a PhD in geoscience from Purdue University in the USA. In describing her journey into the engineering sector, Amalia highlights the incredible impact that supportive parents can have on the development of the girl child. She goes on to describe the company transitions she has made over the years and how this showed her the merit of different approaches to working in the same sector. I was encouraged to hear about the community involvement projects that Tallow Oil has followed in some of its African assets, which provide an example of how companies might sustainably integrate into their host communities. Wherever you are joining us from today, I hope you gain some valuable insights from another of the women who power our world. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to our current episode of the Women's Energy Council podcast. I'm delighted to be talking to Amalia Oliveira Riley today from Tallow Oil. Thank you, Amalia, for being here with us today. It's really great to have another of such high level women joining us on our podcast. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Emma. My first question, I like to start kind of at the beginning of your journey. What led you to the industry, your background, and basically just your journey from leaving university to joining the energy industry? Thanks, Emma. Leaving university, well, I went to Purdue University for a graduate degree, and I was determined to go into paleontology and uh, into the uh, academic research. Just thought that was a fascinating topic. I had the encouragement of my advisor, who was a very wise man, as he decided that it was really a good idea for me to test the industry before graduating and that if I made the, the decision to go into academics, that I would have at least looked at the possibility of the industry. So we had several companies coming into campus to recruit geoscientists for oil and gas. And my advisor, Dr. Zinsmeister, encouraged me to participate in those interviews. And I landed an internship with Mobile at the time and participated in a regional project that was fascinating and really helped me see how I could use all the different disciplines I had learned in my geoscience career for oil and gas and gave me a completely different perspective than what I had, that it'd be a very narrow field. So seeing the breadth, that really sold me to the industry. And from then on, I pursued the uh, various interview seasons through my uh, later years in my career. And I began with ExxonMobil in 1995. So that was uh, really thankful for my advisor having a broad view and uh, making sure that I had a, at least a taste for the industry before making a career decision. It's always interesting to me, I'm relatively new to the industry, but seeing how many avenues there are to joining, there's just so many different people from so many different previous career and education journeys. So I think it's a great melting pot of good talent for sure. 
but other than your advisor, maybe, would you say there was any specific person or experience that led you to engineering or the technical sphere in general? Just because I think encouraging women into this engineering and technical sphere is so important in terms of future talent. So who inspired you to join in the first place? Absolutely. I think the biggest influence I had was from my father. I grew up in a big family. There's 11 of us uh, brothers and sisters in my family. And my father is an engineer. And, you know, he really enjoyed doing handy things. And he would line us all up to help him in whatever task he was doing. You know, boys, girls, everybody. So we'd be out in the garage cutting woodwork or you know, uh, fixing bicycles or whatever the tour of the day, he treated us really all the same. And uh, and he would also discuss science topics with us at the dinner table. So, you know, he worked in construction. He was a civil engineer and he'd be working on big projects like a dam or factory or just kind of big projects. And he would bring photos and explain to us how all the different phases were coming together and why you would do this first and why you would use this kind of steel. So science was very much part of the dinner conversation at the house. And also my grandfather, who had been an engineer, incited that type of conversation. So I think that was just essential for us to be curious about it. I would say seven of my 11 brothers and sisters are in science in some way or other. You know, there's architectures, there's engineers, there's a couple of them are in the medical field. So many of the uh, of my brothers and sisters have followed up on uh, on science content. And I think it was just his encouragement that made it, you know, possible, interesting and relevant. That's awesome. That's very successful family, all of you in such amazing fields. Your dad obviously yeah. had a wonderful influence on all of yeah. you. Absolutely. So kind of still sticking to your career, I noticed that you spent quite a large portion of your career at the huge company ExxonMobil. So I was interested to hear about how you found that transition from such a big IOC, spending so much time there, then to a major NOC, and then finally ending up at the smaller independent teller. It's been a really interesting transition. ExxonMobil is a huge company, and like that you find yourself working a lot within even if we're working projects in different countries or with partners and so on uh, it's just a huge entity in its own and most of the time is devoted to internal dealings it's a fantastic platform in terms of training and discipline and in developing a method on how to approach problems so i had some fantastic years at ExxonMobil. Moving from ExxonMobil to Repsol was between the change in culture because of the country affiliation. Also going from an American company to a Spanish company helped me reconnect with my Latin roots, having uh, grown up in Argentina. And I rediscovered that I need to learn all of my geology in Spanish again. Yes, of course. (laughs) Instead of in English. But um, it was just fascinating to find a completely different system for decision making a different cultural element in terms of the types of projects that we wanted to approach. And I can say I leveraged much of the discipline I learned at ExxonMobil to uh, support some of the uh, systems that needed, you know, some 
more strict methodologies at Repsol, for example. Uh, and at the same time, learning that flexibility was a very good thing in terms of business and finding the gems in, you know, this new culture. So I think it gave me a, an appreciation on how different approaches to the same business can be very effective in different ways. Uh, there's not just a one size fits all. Same with moving to tallow oil, right? So again, a different uh, cultural identity being in the UK, a different heritage, having been the great explorer for many years, a different risk profile. And, you know, there's positives and negatives with each one of the models. Uh, each one has its beauty and its advantage. Uh, each one has something to offer for a niche within the industry. So I have found the three transitions very enriching. I think that's very valuable, just what you said about different models still being successful just in their own different ways. I think it's kind of a metaphor for life that you can do the same thing in different ways and still be very successful. And a good metaphor for diversity and inclusion as well, I'm sure. So this past year, obviously, we've all dealt with great strain and the oil and gas industry has been very deeply affected and I think in particular the EMP segment which you're so invested in and I'm sure it can be quite stressful at times so I wanted to ask in the face of all of this uncertainty and disruption what is it that keeps you looking forward and excited about working in oil and gas? One of the things that sometimes we forget is that oil and gas will continue to be a huge portion of the energy needs for the world. For me, working in oil and gas is a way to think that I'm working against world poverty. That's how big it is. It's essential to people's lives to have electricity, power, energy, to be able to access a better standard of living. So when you put it into that context, oil and gas still has a huge amount of work to do for society and for the world in the coming years. Of course, with the remediation of uh, finding cleaner ways of doing that and uh, being part of this transition that is happening. But um, there's a very relevant role for us to play. So, yeah, so I'm excited to be in oil and gas. Yeah, me too. I think that's been one of my biggest learnings since joining the industry is how integral it is to every single portion of our being. I mean, I work a lot in downstream and refining and I was amazed to see how many products in our daily lives just include crude oil that you don't even realize until you are kind of in the industry itself. So I think I agree with you. It's a a good place to be and definitely does feel like we have a bigger cause than just the oil coming out of the ground. Moving on to kind of the crux of our podcast and diversity related issues, I wanted to focus on the fact that in The oil and gas industry, which is already quite male-dominated, in general, I think it's quite safe to say that the technical and engineering elements are some of the least diverse of the whole lot. So I wanted to ask if this has been your experience and have you seen any change or improvements in terms of how diversity and inclusion is actioned in the industry since you joined? Yeah, of course, there's been a lot of push. I mean, it's been, you know, almost uh, 30 years that I've been in the industry and a lot has changed in that time. I think the biggest positive is that there's some increasing awareness of the differences, increasing awareness of the gap in the number of uh, women or the various diversity minority groups being included. 
And that awareness alone, I think, is a huge step forward. Now, in terms of the actions and advancement, we've tried a number of things, and it seems like we have made limited progress, you know, progress for sure, but limited progress in terms of uh, promoting that diversity and attaining the desired diversity at, at all levels. I think one of the, uh, the areas where I focus my efforts as a you know, growing professional through my younger years, being a working mom, is uh, also helping other younger females in the field have the opportunity to chat about those challenges, share tips on how, you know, to manage those things and uh, and provide a bit of a role model for some of the uh, younger females on how you might make compatible being a mom and uh, working and being a, a leader in, in the profession. So that's an area where I've spent some significant time. And I think it's been helpful to be an ear to some of my colleagues in that sense. And, uh, and I've learned a lot from them as well. So it's always a two-way street. Yeah, for sure. You've spoken about the, the mentoring that you've done. And I think in all of our conversations with all of the women we've spoken to and when I read online, mentoring is always brought up as such an important and integral part of this process and becoming more inclusive. But in terms of actions or projects or initiatives that may have been run, whether these were big or small, run by your current or in previous employers that you believe were quite successful in advancing diversity. Have there been any of those? Could you talk a bit about any if you have seen just that others may want to emulate in their own workplaces? I think at the moment we're running a very interesting initiative within Tello to promote diversity and inclusion and much of it is focused around understanding the a positive way to have the conversation around inclusion and then the awareness of all the differences that you know that people bring to the table in a very broad sense. In the end, full inclusion would mean that people are able to bring their whole selves to work with whatever their background, their personal challenges, their home environments, their uh, differences that they might bring. And also to think about diversity, not only in the perhaps physical or obvious, you know, country of origin type of things, but think of it as embracing diversity of thought. And that becomes a lot tougher and subtle thing to tackle. Yet, I think it's really at the core of what we're really trying to achieve here. So I would say the series of conversations we're having where we engage our top management in it is really important. As you can see from all the way from the chair to other members of the board to our most senior leadership, promoting these kinds of open discussions, sharing some of the challenges they have had, some of the disappointments and how they may have been you know, not respected for what they bring to the table and making that an open conversation has been really positive and it created a, a much more open conversation among folks as to what that really means. Yeah, I think it's almost as if once you just lay it all on the table and say, 
this is okay. We can all talk about this. And it's part of our experience. It's part of being human. The taboo almost falls away because everyone realizes we all face these issues and they impact all of us. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's very powerful just to open that dialogue and have everyone connect on that human level. And also in terms of including management, I was reading a report the other day that said there is a high correlation between how important men see diversity and how important they think it is to their CEO. And I thought that was so powerful. It just proves that if leadership takes the lead and shows that these issues matter to them as well, everyone else kind of follows suit. So that's awesome to hear that that's being championed at your at Tello at the moment through those conversations. And speaking of Tello and their discussions of inclusivity, I wanted to ask about the partnerships that the company establishes with local communities and companies in its host locations. Just because I think particularly, I mean, I'm based in Africa and I know how community-centric this continent is. And I, I believe that building these inclusive partnerships is crucial to business sustainability going forward, especially in regions such as Africa. So could you discuss a bit about the local supply chains that Tellos seeks to include and maybe a little bit about the Invest in Africa program? Sure. So our Africa program and the partnerships that we have are mostly devoted to our uh, Ghana business, where we have a very significant presence in uh, major assets for the company. Of course, that's uh, the concept of shared prosperity has been around for Tello since the company was founded. So a very important part of how we do our business is through partnerships and through seeking the benefit of those host governments and the people of those countries. There's been a lot of effort this year, particularly supporting the various communities with their COVID efforts, for example. So Talo is very well focused on, on finding the right relevant opportunities to support the local communities. And those go beyond, you know, that what's happening in the moment is, is very relevant, but at the same time, looking for opportunities for long-term uh, shared prosperity uh, propositions, like you were saying in the supply chain, for example, with local providers and so on. So it's a very important piece of the way we operate in Africa. I love hearing of companies that have come in and really actively tried to involve local communities because I think that can often fall to the wayside and inclusivity goes broader than just our in-company efforts. It also has to do it wherever we're working in as well, I think. Otherwise, that change will only go as far as the company borders and then Absolutely. you're not really having that widespread impact. So great to hear. Yeah. So... This is kind of rounding out my conversation now. So since we aim to champion women's voices and achievements, and as women sometimes struggle to shout our own praises, so I like to end off the conversation by asking you if you could choose an achievement or an action in your career that you're most proud of, what would it be? I have to say that I came into Tello just a year ago in in very different environment to what happened the rest of 2020. So my expectations, you know, were not the COVID, the oil crisis, and uh, and everything that ensued over the past 12 months. Yet that's given me a huge opportunity to test my leadership ability. So uh, sitting today, I feel like it's been a very difficult year, but one filled with growth in terms of 
leading a team through a huge transition uh, internal to Tello and through the crisis for the world and the pandemic and then the uh, oil price uh, crisis, finding ways to keep people motivated, redefining our purpose, laying out some parameters for people to feel like they have a roadmap to follow and being able to implement in the midst of constant change. You know, we had a CEO change. We've had just a huge amount of turmoil with some of the reductions in personnel. And then, you know, what's all of that through working from home and meeting only a few folks in my team in my short time at Tello. So, you know, I still have to say that I haven't met the full team in person, every one person in the team. Uh, to the restrictions. So looking back at this very difficult year, I also see it as the year of the greatest achievement in my leadership career, navigating all these uncertainties and, and getting us to a place where we know where we're going. We have a cohesive team. We have a very strong environment of support for each other. So yeah, that would be my greatest achievement, I think. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I mean, that is changing CEO, working from home, coronavirus, and working in oil and gas exploration. I mean, that is a real melting pot of things to deal with. So definitely congratulations on weathering the storm. And then finally, my last question. So that you've achieved that leadership, I wonder, is there anything else, kind of one more career goal that you still have on your to-do list? You know, as I look to the future, my desire is for broader impact. So one of the things that I'm considering is, uh, especially with the difficult times uh, right now and, and the extensive network of connections, I see so many people struggling to find their next, you know, their next job, their next opportunity. And uh, I can see that there's a lot I can do to expand my impact outside of Tello by supporting colleagues you know, find what their next move can be and uh, utilize my network to help not only people at Tello, but outside of Tello uh, achieve their goals. Yeah. And like I said earlier, that I think that's been the most mentioned way that the industry can help up and coming talent is through mentoring and supporting each other, pulling each other through that glass ceiling we have to deal with. So that's amazing and I really hope that you are able and I'm sure you will be able to achieve that that career goal before the end of your time so thank you so much I've come to the end of my questions but it was really lovely to hear about your journey and how you've grown in the industry and those practical examples of things that you've experienced in your companies and actioned yourself in building diversity and inclusion so thank you very much that's kind of my aim for this podcast is to be a knowledge sharing base for everyone else in the industry to see what others are doing and how they can capitalize on that experience so thank you so much for your time well thank you so much it really is an honor to be here and uh, i appreciate the opportunity to talk to you thank you for listening to this week's episode Tune in next time to hear more valuable insights from others leading transformation in the energy industry.